series this Christmas season for the month of December called God With Us. It's kind of why you see the sign here, right? God With Us. And we've talked about, all right, it's easy to, to know that God is with us when things are going good, isn't it? Right? I've, I've never heard someone come up to me, you know what? I can't believe it. I've got to blame God because I just got a promotion at work. No one ever blames God for something like that, right? It's, it's easy to know that God is with us when things are going good. But sometimes as pastor, I hear questions and I hear doubts and I hear people express things that maybe they wouldn't express to others. But I don't think God is worried when we express our doubt to him, right? Truth is still truth whether you believe it or not. And, and some things that people might say to me is, well, Greg, if, if God is loving, if, if God is love, then why are there starving children in the world? Have you ever heard a question like that? I, I hear it all the time. Or if God loves me so much, then why is he allowing me to go through this situation in my life that's tragic? And, and I hear stories that they're tragic. So, so why, why do we go through things like that? And I believe this morning that if, if we really want to understand God and understand this concept of God with us, see, we can't, we can't try to understand God through our finite minds and through our finite perspective, which is what our experience is. It's just how we see the world. We need to look at how does God see the world and what does it look like from his perspective. And for us to know God's perspective, we find that out through his word, the Bible. So we're going to be looking this morning at what the Bible has to say about God's perspective with us. And some of these questions that I just raised about why would God allow starving children, we'll come back to those at the end of, at the, end of the message. So this morning, the title of my message is God is with us always. And, and as we've been exploring different times of our lives that God is with us throughout this series, we've looked at God's with us in the valley. And he's with us in the wilderness. And he's with us through the storms of life. But most of us think, all right, you know what? I know God is with us when things are good, but it's hard for us to believe that God is with us when things aren't good, right? Why, where is God when the bills are greater than the paycheck, right? God, if you were really real, wouldn't you see my need? Wouldn't you come and, and fulfill that? And, and I think if, if we're all honest with ourselves, there's times that we might blame God for what we're going through. And, and we look and say, God, this is your fault, or, or this is why, if, if you really loved me, God, if you were real, then you would have intervened in this situation already. And if I'm honest with myself, and maybe you're honest with yourself, isn't it easier to believe that God is with us when things are going well? Right? And it's not so easy to believe that, things are, they, that God is with us when things are not going well. But this morning, I hope as you, as you understand the Christmas message from God's perspective, maybe you come away and, and you walk out of here with just a different understanding of who God is and what his love looks like in your life and in mine. So in this series, each Sunday, we've started off with a scripture out of Matthew, which is the, the story about Jesus' birth. I'm starting a few verses uh, before where we've been starting, but this morning I'm going to ask you to do something I don't often, uh, often ask you to do. Would you stand with me as we read God's word, just as a way to honor what he's saying to us? So in Matthew 1, 18 to 23, it says this, the birth of Jesus the Messiah. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. And as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, 
Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you're to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son. They will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. So before you sit down today, would you just extend a hand to someone around you and just encourage them and say, today, God is with you. All right, and then we can get going. Thanks. All right, you may be seated. Thank you. Sometimes I feel like we could probably go on all day long just greeting people and saying hi to one another. It's, it's fun to, to see people you know at church. So many of you know that I have four kids, but you may not know their ages or, or where, they, where they fall in line. So my oldest is Emily, and after her is Dan, and they're two years apart. And then we have a six-year gap before we had Hannah and David, and they're two years apart. So it was almost like two separate families growing up, right? We had the older two, and the older two looked at the younger two, and they always called them the kids, right? Not that they were kids, um, but they looked at the younger two as kids. And um, sometimes around the dinner table, we had a, a time period where my oldest was studying physics and my youngest was learning phonics, right? And it was just a crazy time with, with 10 years between the oldest and the youngest of, of having, uh, having kids and, and uh, trying to create a family dynamic. But one of the things I, I learned very early on with, with my older two, Emily and Dan, was that I would start a tradition when I got home from, from work, Meg would make dinner, I'd give the kids a bath, and then I loved putting them to bed because I hadn't spent much time with them all day. I, I'd been gone for the day. So as the bedtime routine and ritual uh, started to progress, I'd read them a, a story from, from their children's Bible, we'd pray together. And then sometimes I'd tell them a story that was called an Arnold and Josephine story. So you might wonder, what's an Arnold and Josephine story, right? Well, Arnold represented Dan, and Josephine represented Emily. It's just that I never told them that Arnold was really Dan and Josephine was Emily. So whatever I heard from Meg on the way home about how the day had gone and what the kids had done and if they did something good or if they did something not so good, I'd build that into my story about Arnold and Josephine, and they'd be like, wow, that's just like our day. And I'm like, unbelievable. How does it happen, right? <laughs> but as I'm talking about Arnold and Josephine, I'm like, you see, Arnold was tempted to react to Josephine this way, but instead he did, you know, reacted in love and in kindness. Like, that's the way we should behave, right? So it was my way of kind of giving the word of God in, in a storytelling way to my kids. And, and they wasn't until much older that they realized who Arnold and Josephine was. But thankfully, they never spoiled it for, for Hannah and for David, and I could still continue with, with the Arnold and Josephine stories. And now I've got grandkids, and that's wonderful to tell my grandkids stories. So William is my oldest, Andrew's the second oldest, so don't tell them. But when I, when I give a Mark and Anthony story, I'm talking about William and Andrew, all right? So you've got to protect the names, uh, you know, protect the innocent with a different name. But I think as parents, we all learn that storytelling is a great way to get a message across 
to one another. And I, and I think storytelling works for us because we're just kids in a bigger body, right? So this morning, I want to look at the story of Jesus' birth, and I, and I want to look at it as, as the, with, through the lens of, of maybe what God and Jesus would have, would have done. Um, we're going to start in, in Matthew 1, 18, but something that we don't find in Scripture, so I'm, I'm making this up, but I, I want you just to, to give you a perspective of, okay, what would it look like if God and Jesus had a conversation before all this happened, right? So Jesus comes down to earth, and, and he's going to be a baby born of a virgin Mary, and, and the Holy Spirit's going to help, help Mary uh, get conce- you know, conceive Jesus. So what would the conversation look like between God and Jesus before he sends him to earth? Right? And maybe it would go something like this. God says this, Jesus, son, this is your mission. Should you choose to accept it? I'm going to send you to earth to fulfill my perfect will, to be a sacrifice for the forgiveness of sins. I've chosen you. I've chosen for you the woman who will be your mother. She's going to love you. She's a teenage girl who is completely devoted to our will. Her name is Mary. She loves us so much. She's pure in every way. She's not like a lot of the other girls who sometimes are obsessed with boys or their looks or clothes. She's pure, she's a virgin, and she's going to be an amazing mom. And I've also chosen for you your earthly dad. I'm your heavenly father, but you'll have an earthly dad. His name is Joseph, and he's a good man. He's going to be your stepdad. Now, Jesus, when you go to earth, you have to remember, if you're going to be born of a woman, that means you have to go through it all. So in other words, you're going to spend nine months in Mary's womb, and then you're going to come out into the cold, cruel world. And at this, Jesus responded, wait, Dad, nine months? Couldn't we just consider a stork? And that's why some of us today are still looking for a stork. Maybe it is. I don't know. Just kidding. So that was a joke. Yeah, the whole stork point, I don't, I don't think that happened. But, um, so like I said, we see in Scripture in Matthew 1.18 that Jesus comes and he's born of a virgin, Right? But we, we don't see in Scripture, was there any conversation that might have happened between God and Jesus ahead of this? And, and the point I'm trying to make is this, that God was Jesus' father. Joseph was Jesus' stepdad. I don't think a lot of us really understand that story, that it was the Holy Spirit that fathered Jesus. And that was, was God the Father working, because all three are one. So we, we look at the next set of verses, and I, and I want to just play into, in Matthew 1.20, it says that the angel appeared in a dream to Joseph. Some of us may look and say, wait a minute, is something wrong here? Why is the angel coming to Joseph? Shouldn't he come to Mary? Like, where, where is that? And actually, we find another account in the Gospel of Luke where the angel comes and he talks to Mary even before he talks to Joseph. It's just that we're reading in Matthew. It's only showing us this one view that the angel's talking to Joseph right now. But don't worry, Mary was already clued in. She knew what was going on. And, and it's wonderful of the Lord to send an angel to talk to Mary and then an angel to talk to Joseph, and now the two of them can be on the same page, right? That's, that's how God works. But the angel says to Joseph, Don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. See, if God and Jesus were having that conversation, God may have explained it like this to Jesus. Jesus, just to be real clear why you have to be born of a virgin, Joseph is your stepdad, but he's not the one who got Mary pregnant. Mary conceives you, Jesus, because the Holy Spirit comes upon her. And because it's the Holy Spirit who fathers this child and not an earthly father, you will, in, you will not inherit the sin nature of an earthly father. 
You're still born of a woman, so you will be fully man and you will be fully God. And Jesus replies, of course, I understand, I understand. Now, the question is, do we understand that? Right, that Jesus was fully man and he was fully God. See, this kind of stuff, it it blows our minds to consider what God is really doing right now, but it's going to unfold. Now, when I try to consider what would it have been like for Mary to be engaged and for this to happen, it's a little bit near to where I am right now in life. See, my, my daughter, Hannah, that I just mentioned earlier, she got engaged last weekend, right? So I'm kind of living this whole engagement thing. And uh, imagine if her, her fiancé, whose name is Dan, yes, same name as my son, not confusing at all, but a wonderful name. I love the name Daniel. Um, so imagine if her fiancé, Dan, finds out that Hannah's pregnant, and he goes and says, Hannah, like, what, what is going on? How did you get pregnant? And she goes, Dan, no, I haven't been with another man. It's, it's the Holy Spirit. We're like, right. Like, that doesn't happen. Come on. What are you talking about? But no, it did happen. And, and we're going to see further that there really isn't any, any coincidence in, in how this came to be. But it happened, and it happened for a reason. And we find out in verse 21, because it says this, And she will have a son, and you're to name him Jesus and he will save his people from their sins. So the name Jesus means Savior. It means that he will save his people from their sins. And Jesus knows, or Joseph knows, that Mary's going to have a boy. There was no ultrasound back then, right? They didn't know, okay, oh, we're waiting. It's, you know, it's so many weeks in. We're going to do the ultrasound and find out what you're having. There was no cake with blue you know, on the inside when they opened up, when they cut the cake. But they knew ahead of time, you're going to have a son. You're gonna name, and they already knew the name. Like some of us, we've agonized over names. I remember with some of my grandkids, like day one, baby's born, don't have a name. Day two, don't have a name. Like, what are you guys waiting for? Didn't you talk about this ahead of time? But like they already knew the name, that the name was going to be Jesus because the angel told them this. And why was this name Jesus? Because he's born to save his people from their sins. Now, show of hands, how many, how many of you in your life have ever committed a sin? Raise your hand. Okay, if you haven't raised your hand, then you're a liar, okay? And you should be raising your hand, Um, which is a sin. Yes, lying is a sin. So we're all sinners. We we got that out of the bag. All right, newsflash. You're all sinners. So am I. But the good news is this. Jesus came to save us from our sin, right? That's why God sent Jesus to us. So we look in, in other scriptures about Jesus had no sin, but he took on our sin. In 2 Corinthians 5, it says this, God made him who had no sin to be sinned for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is the miracle of Jesus coming and being born of a virgin is that he could take on our sin. As he lived a sinless life, when he went to the cross, he died in penalty and in payment for your sin and my sin. Right? He's the only one that could do this. So him who knew no sin became our sin, and he took it to the cross and paid the price for our sin. So that we, like what would we have to do? We'd all have to go to our cross to pay for our sin. But God said, I don't want to obliterate this creation that I've made. I want to save this creation that I've made. So God sent his son Jesus. And we see in 1 John 3, 5, but you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins, and in him is no sin. So here's the miracle that happens. When Jesus takes away our sin, he makes us righteous, 
right? And what righteous means is we're, we're sinless then in the sight of God. See, God cannot stand sin in his presence, so we can't have a relationship with God and he can't have a relationship with us. But when God sees us covered with the blood of Jesus that, that washes away our sin, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, God sees us as righteous, and now we can be in his presence and God can have a relationship with us. That's what the Christmas story is all about. So all of this would be incredible. It, it would just be too much for our minds to understand, just as if my daughter Hannah would come to her fiancé Dan and say, hey, I'm pregnant, but it's not with another man. It's been the Holy Spirit, except for this one line. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Right? Did you know that hundreds and even more than a thousand years before Jesus was born, men of God foretold the coming of Jesus Christ? And, and they wrote it down. It's written in the book of Numbers. It's written in, in the book of Isaiah and in the book of Daniel. And we read in chapter 2, verse 1, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. And at that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. So, you know, I, I believe that sometimes there's things in life that happen as coincidences, but I cannot believe in any stretch of my imagination that you can have men 1,400 years before Jesus is born to 500 years before his bo he's born foretell of his coming, and then these wise men can read those writings See the star, connect the fact that the star is just like the writings say, and then start on a journey from the east to Jerusalem or, or to the city of David to Bethlehem to find this newborn baby. Like you just can't have all these things come together and it be a coincidence, right? So all of this occurred because of what the prophet said. You know, there's many times that I'll come home from a day at Shiloh and I'll tell Meg, you know what? You can't make the stories up that I've heard today. Like, I just hear some crazy examples of, of what life looks like for some of us. And, and it's just unbelievable to me. And you can't make up this story either, right? You, you can't make up the fact that men more than a thousand years before Jesus was born told of his coming. And all of these things align so that the wise men can understand, ah, this star is pointing to the Savior. We're going to follow it because we've read the prophecy. We understand what's happening. So we end by reading in Matthew 1, 23, Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they'll call him Emmanuel, which means God's with us. So this baby Jesus had many names. He was named Jesus because he saves us from our sin. He's also referred to as Emmanuel because he's God with us. He's God ever-present. He's God with us through all the things that we're going through. So you might ask this morning, how is God with us? Like, what does that look like on a day-to-day -day basis? I mean, do I have the shadow behind me that, you know, he kind of follows me wherever I go? What does it look like for God to be with us? And this is what we find in John 14. This is Jesus talking, and he's talking to his disciples, and he says these words before he's going to the cross to be crucified and, and then to rise again and go to heaven. So he says this to his disciples in John 14, 16, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. See, Jesus is our first advocate. He's the one who goes before the Father and pleads our case and says, Father, 
My blood paid the price for their sin, so, so don't look at them as having sinned. Jesus is our advocate before the Father. But he says, I'm going to leave another advocate, and that advocate will never leave you. He's the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world can't receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you and now later will be in you. So Jesus was telling this to his disciples. Look, the world is not really getting it right now. They don't understand who I am and why I came here. But the disciples, okay, you know and you recognize that the Holy Spirit lives with you, but soon the Holy Spirit's going to be in you. What did Jesus mean by that? What did he mean the Holy Spirit's going to be in you? See, when Jesus died on the cross, he made a way for God and man to have a relationship And by us receiving him and by us giving our lives to him and surrender to him, the Holy Spirit will come and live within us. And that truly is what God is with us always means, right? That that God would come and take up residence in our lives, to have a relationship. I'm not talking about going to a church. I'm not talking about a religion. I'm talking about a relationship that starts when we surrender our lives to God and invite the Holy Spirit in. So how much does God love us? It says this in John 3, For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son, that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. So I go back to those questions I started with this morning that I've heard from from some that would bring their doubts and say, well, if God is such a loving God, then why am I going through this difficult time? If God is such a loving God, then why hasn't he answered my prayer? And you know, the truth is this, God isn't the one that created sin. God created the Garden of Eden for Adam and Eve to live in, and it was perfect, it was holy, it was was authentic. And then sin entered because of Satan, and and Satan tempted Adam and Eve, and, and with them sinning in the garden... Now all the rest of us, we have a sinful nature because of what happened. But, but God has masterminded this incredible plan that he's going to save us from our sin because he loves us so much, he's going to give up his only son, Jesus, to die on the cross for us. So I'm going to make a statement now about what it looks like to have God with us. And I'm going to ask you, as you look at it, let me explain before you jump to any conclusions, Okay. So the statement is this, God with us always, this concept that he's with us always is never more apparent than when it's dark. And here's what I mean by that. So in my backyard, I've got a pool. And, and the pool, it's wonderful to swim in the daytime, right? You, you can see all the way to the bottom, crystal clear. Well, mostly crystal clear. It depends if I'm you know, keeping up with the chemicals and stuff. Um, but in the nighttime, if I want to go swimming... It's creepy dark outside, right? To, to, to put a light on, you just like, you can't see the bottom. You don't want anybody to swim in a pool if there's no, if there's no what? If there's no light in it, right? So I've got a pool light. It's a 500-watt light that sits under the water. And then sometimes that light bulb goes out, so I've got to change it. And I don't change it in the dark. I change it during the daytime, right? So I'll, I'll take that light out of the pool, um, take the cover off, and change the bulb, and I'll get it all reassembled together. And then I want to test it to make sure it's working before I'm going to put it back in the water, right? So pool where the light is is nowhere near where the switch is at the back of the house. They're far away. So I, I kind of set the light up so I can see it. I go to the house, I turn the switch on, and I'm like, is it on? I can't even tell if it's on right now. So I turn it off, and then I turn it on, and I turn it off, and I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, it looks like it's working. And I put it back in. But now when I turn that pool light on at night, guess what? 
it lights up the whole pool, like the, the water, the waves on the water, they kind of flicker, and you can see that. You can see it dance on the side of the house. It's amazing how much light it is at night. But during the daytime, I can hardly see it. And see, that's what God's love is like for you and I. See, we, we say, God, why is there sin in the world? Why do I have to go through a dark time? Because you'll never know how bright his light is, except when it's dark outside, <laughs> right? If, if you try to look at the love of God and everything's going great, guess what? You forget about who God is, and you think you did it yourself. And you think, hey, look at me. I'm such a big guy. I got this all figured out. Yeah, because you're looking at the light and the sunshine, the sun is out. But now what happens when it gets dark, right? We don't have any light inside of us. It's only the light of Jesus Christ. And that's how we come to know the height, the depth, the breadth, and the width of God's love is when it's dark outside. So when God is with us always, he's with us, especially when it's dark. But see, we don't understand that when we look through our perspective. We're like, God, why are you letting me go through this? God, this isn't fair, Right? How many times have we said that to God? And God's like, no, I want you to see my love. I want you to know that my son came and was born of a virgin. And that's my way of communicating Emmanuel, God, with us. And, and that's what the story of Christmas is all about. So if we look to, to other verses that just conclude this message of Emmanuel, God with us always, we can find this in Psalm 23. Even when I walk through the darkest valley... I'll not be afraid because you are close beside me. And I remember a story told by my son-in-law, Josh, about my grandson, Andrew. Andrew sometimes wakes up in the middle of the night and he'll cry out, Daddy, Mommy, right? So Josh gets up in a stupor and he'll go into his room. And and if you've had younger kids, you know what this is like. You go in and you say, what's the matter? And you hear this sometimes. Like, what what are you saying? I can't understand you. Speak up. So I don't know why parents in, in today's day have these things called sound machines that are really just white noise machines. Like we didn't have them when my kids were growing up. We just let them fall asleep, right? But they have this sound machine that is ridiculously loud. It's going like this. So Josh, of course he can't hear what Andrew's saying. Shut off the sound machine is what I would do. But no, you can't do that. So he puts his foot over the sound machine so that he can lean in all the way next to Andrew's mouth. And try to hear what is he saying. And then hear, okay, why, why are you calling out? And see, sometimes when we call out to God, God leans in close. He leans in super close because he wants to know what is it that we're saying. Don't, don't be worried that God can't hear your prayer. He hears everything you're saying. Right? When I walk through the darkest valley, I won't be afraid because you're close beside me. That's God's promise. But now what about this question? Well, then why do, why do I have to go through dark times? Why, why is that even necessary? See, if we're honest with ourselves, we believe God answers a prayer when the answer comes back, yes. Right? I, I pray, God, I have bills. Would you take care of my bills? And all of a sudden, a check comes in the mail. Boom, done. God, you answered my prayer. If no check comes in the mail, God, you didn't answer my prayer. Where are you, God? God, are you still even alive? Like, are you sleeping? What happened to you? Why is it that we think God has to answer all, our, all of our prayers with a yes? He can answer a prayer with a no, or he can answer a prayer with a not yet in, in some time. But this is what we find what God promises us. He says, I've told you these things so that you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. All right, we don't want to hear that God promise us, uh, promises us trouble in this world. But if I asked you, raise your hands if you've ever had trouble, every hand would go up. 
Because we've all been through it at one point or another. Maybe some of us are in it right now. This is what God promises us, that we'll have trouble. But take heart, because I've overcome the world. See, the, the difference between what we believe as, as believers in Jesus Christ and those that don't believe in Jesus Christ is we know that God is with us even when it's dark. And someone that doesn't know Jesus, they're just, they're just trying to live life on their own. And God never intended it to be that way. He never intended us to have to shoulder all of the problems and the weight of life. He said, no, I want to make your burden easy. I want to make your yoke light. I want you to invite me in because we need the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives if we're to live the life that God has called us to. Would you, would you stand with me as we close in prayer? So as, as we talk about this concept of God with us always, I know that there's some of us that today may be a, a day where you're on a mountaintop and you're saying, God, I, I know you're with me. I see your hand of blessing in my life. Life is good. And my question for you today is, is life so good that you've forgotten about God? Or do you know and do you believe that you have to surrender your life if you're, full, if you're really fully going to know the life that God has called you to? See, see, God calls all of us to that life of surrender. And maybe some of us today, we're going through a tough time. We're going through a valley. We're, we're going through a, a dark time in the wilderness or a storm. God is with us as well. And we have to take that issue that we're dealing with and we've got to surrender it to the Lord and say, God, I'm, I'm going to give you this issue. I'm going to lay it down at your feet. But the truth for all of us today is this, that God never intends us to walk alone. Whether we're going through the mountaintop or whether we're going through the valley, he never intended for us to walk alone. He wants to walk with us. But now he asks us this question, and I'm going to ask you all this question today. Has there ever been a time in your life where you've surrendered your life to Jesus Christ? And where you said, Father, I understand this concept that you sent Jesus to die and to pay the price for my sin. And now I'm going to invite you into my life that you would live in and through me. See, that's the power of the Holy Spirit. When we invite him in, we've got to surrender to invite him in. But when we surrender to him, he comes in and he floods us with all of his love, with all of his peace. And he helps us. When we're on the mountaintop, he helps us when we're in the valley. Would you close your Close your eyes and bow your heads with me as we pray. So I, I want to ask you this morning, if, if you need prayer today, because either you, you need to know God more truly in the mountaintop, or you need to know him more clearly in the valley, would you raise your hands? I'd like to pray for you today. Yeah, thank you for those hands. Thank you. We're going to pray in a minute. And I also want to ask you this question. If there's never been a time in your life where you've invited Jesus and invited the Holy Spirit into your life to take residence, if you've never surrendered your life to Jesus and said, Jesus, I know I'm a sinner, but I need, you've come as a savior and I need to receive that forgiveness. And you've surrendered your life to say, Holy Spirit, come inside me, bring your power and live through me. I'd like to give you that invitation today. If you would like to receive Jesus, would you, would you raise your hand and let me know that I can pray for you as well? Thank you. I see those hands. Anyone else? Thank you. All right, let's pray together. Father, I thank you for, for those of us that are here, Lord, that are on the mountaintop. Lord, we need to know you more clearly, God. We don't want to take credit for what you've done and what you're doing in our lives, God. So we surrender even our mountaintops to you, God. And we pray that you would be near to us today, that you would be with us, 
that we could give you the glory and you the praise, God, that we wouldn't take it to ourselves, but we'd give it, we'd give it to you. And Lord, for those of us that are going through the valleys today, Lord, we might be in a storm, we might be in the wilderness. God, I thank you that your word is clear, that you are present even when we walk through the darkest valley. So Jesus, we reach out to you today and we pray, God, that you would fill us in the midst of of the trouble that we're in and in the midst of the dark time, that you would be near, oh God. You'd hold our hands, you'd get us through. And Lord, I pray for those that raise their hands today that they want to invite you to be Lord of their life. They want to surrender their life to you and invite the Holy Spirit in to live in and through them. Father, I, I pray for them that, that, just pray with me right now. Father, pray in your hearts. Father, I give you my life. I surrender my life to you. Jesus, I call you my Lord. I call you my Savior. Thank you for forgiving my sins. Thank you for cleansing me of my sins. Help me to live the life you've called me to live. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. And if you're here this morning and you've prayed that prayer with me, I have a gift I'd love to give you. It's this book called Living in Christ. It kind of helps you understand what does it look like to live out your faith and, and to live out this relationship that God has called us to. If you need prayer for anything, there's going to be some of us up front here willing to pray for all of you. But if not, God bless you. Have a wonderful Christmas, and I hope to see you again on Christmas Eve. Have a great day.